0: I'm Lynn Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series. This program features Steve Shankin, president of ViaLink and Seismic. ViaLink consults with manufacturers on UTV development, and Seismic is a manufacturer of UTV accessories. Shankin discusses with us what he describes as massive missed opportunities for equipment dealers when it comes to selling UTVs and accessories. This podcast is brought to you by Yanmar. I encourage you to subscribe to our series, which is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. You will then receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. Thank you to Yanmar for bringing us this podcast. Don't settle for less when you can have more. For example, Yanmar makes all its compact tractors major drivetrain components, the Yanmar engine, transmission and axles all in-house. Because they're made to work perfectly together, you and your customers get a hard-working machine with more usable horsepower, less power loss, and a smoother, more comfortable ride. Yanmar's tractors are designed to work as hard as you do for a lifetime. Strengthen your dealership today with Yanmar. Email them at agmarketing@yanmar.com or call 770 770- Steve Schenkins says that dealers have many opportunities to earn more when selling UTVs and accessories by recognizing that customers who purchase UTVs are often first-time visitors to the dealership, and their mentality is more like someone buying a pickup as opposed to someone buying a tractor. Unfortunately, customers are not leaving dealerships with good impressions. One recent study shows that only 29% of those customers who bought a UTV considered their dealer to be a great resource. Let's hear Steve Sauce on the UTV buying experience. Well, thank you Steve for taking time uh, to talk with us today about the topics of UTVs and, and how our dealers uh, can earn more from the product line. And, um, to help get us started on on your expertise, can you provide some background about um, your experience and, and your products?
1: Sure, Lynn, I'd be happy to. So I started this company in 2001 and got into the utility vehicle business uh, very, very soon after. So I've been doing it before it's what all the cool kids are doing. And the last 17 years, I've been very, very focused on utility vehicles and helping dealers sell them and making things that help make the vehicles more productive and more useful and more fun for their owners. And as the utility vehicle business has grown, our business has grown tremendously, and we've had six consecutive years of huge growth with our seismic brand, and we're on a bit of a tear. And I really enjoy talking with dealers and helping them understand what goes on in the minds of utility vehicle customer, because honestly, they're very different than most other customers that most types of dealerships have come into the store.
0: Well, yeah, and that was one thing that I I definitely wanted to, to talk about in terms of comparison of the uh, different demographics. And when we look at the, uh, the utility vehicle line and with our trends report, it's always topping the list of products that dealers are adding and products that have um, the most potential. And so um, on that topic of how the customers are different, can you explain a little bit more about what you're thinking there? So
1: one of the things that happens in power sports where, Actually, most of the utility vehicles are sold, so this would be like a a power sports dealership that also sells motorcycles and jet skis and ATVs. And in farm dealerships and ag dealerships and outdoor equipment dealerships, um, a great many times for each of those types of businesses and each of those distribution channels, when a utility vehicle customer comes into the store, it's the first time they've been in the store. So in other words, lots of times in power sports when a... When a guy goes into that power sports dealership, he's not a motorcycle guy. He came in to get a utility vehicle. It's the first time he's been in there. And the same is true in the farm and ag slash outdoor power equipment side of the business where lots of these guys who buy utility vehicles aren't tractor guys. And, you know, some of them are, but a lot of them are not. And when they come into the dealership, a lot of times it's their first time coming into that type of dealership to buy something. So, you know, they've got a different mindset and they've got a different experience base and they've got a different set of expectations than what the the new unit salespeople in either one of those channels, Power Sports or Farm and Ag OPE, are really used to. And one of the things that really drives this dynamic is the fact that, you know, in the farm and ag side of the world, most of the people coming in are buying things for super, super practical reasons and it's very difficult to engage them in an kind of an emotional purchase, kind of a I want purchase versus an I need purchase. And so one of the examples is you know, nobody would ever come into a tractor dealership and buy a tractor with no implements on it. You know, they're just not going to do that. They're going to get a tractor that's going to have a front-end loader or a mower or a backhoe or some kind of implement on it because nobody buys a tractor with nothing on it. Why would you do that? And honestly, in some ways, utility vehicles are a lot the same, where if people don't have the right accessories and the right attachments to get their work done and, and do what they want to do on their utility vehicle... It's a $15,000 wheelbarrow, and nobody wants a $15,000 wheelbarrow. And so understanding what the customer's needs are and getting them the right accessories so that they can be comfortable and do their work efficiently. And so it's very easy to understand, yeah, people want roofs and windshields. Of course they do, because they need the fundamental protection from the elements. But it goes a lot further than that, because with a utility vehicle, the customer's mindset when they're shopping for it is a lot more like that of a customer shopping for a pickup truck than it is... A customer shopping for a tractor or a mower or a motorcycle and when they're shopping for a car you know think about if you think about the the guys who show up at a farm and ag or an ope dealer and they're looking at they they pull into the dealership and they're in a pickup truck you know they're probably not in the super base model pickup truck with steel wheels and vinyl seats and and you know a, a manual shift on a big piece of bent wire coming up out of the floor, you know, they're probably in a pretty nice pickup truck. You know, the the best selling vehicle in the country has been for many, many years, Ford F-150 and fifty. And they're not cheap pickup trucks. You know, the, the basic one that is the best seller is a $50,000 truck and, you know, alloy wheels, nice interior, nice dash, all of these things. This is a customer's expectation when they're shopping for this type of a vehicle. And so, it is actually very possible for a farm dealer, an equipment dealer, an OP dealer to engage the customer in a really, really emotional, I want that kind of shopping process, just like happens when they buy a pickup truck. And so this is quite foreign for a whole lot of people. And it's quite foreign for a whole lot of people in the in the power sports business as well, where, where most of the utility vehicle vehicles are sold. And it's a it's a different shopping process for a customer and it's a different way to engage them and when dealers can do it well they can sell more stuff they can make more money because the accessories and the things that cause this to happen are are higher margin items than selling the vehicle is and the customers actually happier so there's a lot of data that the average selling prices for utility vehicles have been going up and up and up and up for years and years and years and when you look at the details of what goes on in the utility vehicle market, every year you see the companies that manufacture utility vehicles making more and more models that cost less than $7,000 retail. And they don't sell well. In fact, generally they sell quite poorly. And every year there are more and more models that are made that cost more than $20,000 retail. And they sell fantastically well. So it's an interesting dynamic where in the utility vehicle world, we haven't hit the ceiling, you know, we haven't found the top end of this. And certainly it's different for the, for the sport side of the business, which most farm and OPE type dealers are not really participating in, you know, they're not selling mostly Polaris razors and Can-Am Maverick X3s, but you know, we're at a point right now where a Can-Am Maverick X3 Max retails for $32,000 and they sell quite well. So. Understanding that the customer's expectations are different and figuring out how to meet their, not only their needs, like what are you doing with this vehicle on your property? What are the chores that you have? What are the reasons you want to buy a vehicle? But also to engage them emotionally and get them in want mode and get them excited about it so that the vehicle becomes more than a wheelbarrow. That's what people actually want with these things. When you look at the best-selling vehicles that exist in the utility vehicle space, they're not the cheap ones. They're not base model ones. They're the nice ones with nice upholstery, nice interior, nice wheels and tires, and a lot of extra features, and they're expensive. In fact, the average retail price, average across the entire market, retail price for utility vehicles in 2016 was $15,262. $262. Two hundred sixty-two dollars. That was the average. So there's a lot of runway for for your types of dealers, for farm dealers, ag dealers, equipment dealers, OPE dealers, to really increase the average selling price and sell more stuff and actually make the customers a lot happier with their purchase in the in the process.
0: Well. I had uh, written a story a year or two ago looking at the different categories of UTVs, and you've talked about that here in terms of the speed. Is there Do our dealers need to worry about all the breakdown of the categories, you know, in terms of utility, uh, you know, crossover, sport, you know, power extreme, um, you know, or any one of those categories selling, you know, better? Is it the speed? You know, can you kind of help in terms of what categories might be selling best?
1: So I think it is super important for dealers to understand those categories, and I think it's super important for when a customer walks into the dealership to start asking them questions about what do they want to do with the vehicle, where are they going to use it, what are their chores that they have, and one of the things that's the best practices for the best dealers in this space is, you know, you start off with those types of questions, and depending on where you're at geographically, the customer is going to give you some answers, and you know, a good dealer in whatever the location is, is going to have an idea of what these answers are going to be. And so if you're in the North where it snows a whole lot and somebody comes in and says, Hey, I really want to get a utility vehicle because I really want to plow my driveway with it. It's a great idea to follow up that comment from the customer with, okay, great. We've got a vehicle that can do that. We can set you up with a great rig to plow your snow. But a lot of people who plow their snow also do, and then you insert whatever else they do in in that area. So you know you're plowing snow around your place, maybe you're getting firewood, maybe you're taking care of your fence lines, maybe you're doing whatever it is that they're doing. And when the dealers are experts in the utility vehicle business in their area, they can certainly lead them through all of those things and present the stronger value proposition for a customer to buy the vehicle and be able to do more things with it. Now as far as the segments go, you know it's important to understand that and when you're asking these qualifying questions of the customer, to start figuring out, okay, what is the right type of vehicle for them? Now, the thing that happens in most farm, ag, OPE dealerships is usually they don't really have a very good selection of sport or pure sport style UTBs because most of the brands that sell in in the farm, ag, OPE channel, they don't have them. Um, Deer has the RSX, and that's really kind of it. The the Most of the rest of the vehicles are either pure utility or multi-purpose slash crossover vehicles. And that middle segment, this multi-purpose slash crossover segment, is the biggest segment from a unit point of view. It's where most of the units are sold. It's where the average selling price still continues to increase. Uh, And one of the great things about these vehicles is, you know, somebody buys one of these vehicles and kind of almost no matter which one you buy, they're remarkably versatile. And you can use them to do a tremendous amount of different types of work, and you can use them to have a lot of fun, and you can use them to play in the mud, and you can use them to blast around your property, and you can use them to pull, tow, haul, carry, plow, whatever you want to do with it. And that fundamental versatility of these vehicles is why the category – has been growing so much, and why the unit sales are as high as they are now.
0: In addition to the categories, um, you know, comparing the sales of uh, UTVs to autos, there's there's so many different demographics with selling cars. You know, age and male, female, and and all of that. Is that does that come into play as well um, when selling UTVs?
1: So. You know, the there were seventeen and a half million cars sold in the United States in twenty sixteen and there was four hundred and forty four thousand utility vehicles sold in twenty sixteen. So the so obviously the utility vehicle market is nowhere near the size of the car market. Um, but the utility vehicle market is widely diverse because the offering of vehicles is is nearly as widely diverse as the car market is. And, you know, you start thinking about, okay, so somebody comes into a dealership and wants to buy a pure sport style utility vehicle like a polaris razor let's say and that guy might live in a in a very nice house on point two acres of land in the suburbs and he's got a trailer and he wants to take that vehicle out to the mountains or to the desert or to the woods or to wherever there's a place where he can go riding and he wants to go do that on the weekends and so that's one type of customer and on the other end of the spectrum you have the guy who's got a 20,000 acre ranch in Texas who needs seven utility vehicles to take care of his ranch and his extensive property that he's got so you've got this massive range of things and from a dealer perspective you know it really boils down to exactly where that dealer is and exactly what the typical profile is of a customer who comes in there and that comes back to the super important qualifying questions part of the sales process when somebody comes in and they're looking at utility vehicles you know hey what kind of things do you need to do where are you going to use it what do you hope to get out of it these types of questions you know certainly don't start off with can i help you because the answer is almost always no and then you're kind of done um and certainly don't start off with well you want this you know, even if you can Surmise from your, and you're a super expert, and you know, based on just looking at somebody and saying this is what they're going to want. You know, nobody wants to hear that. Everybody needs to be asked questions, and they need to think that the salesperson is engaged in finding them the best thing, and not cramming something down their throat and making assumptions. And so, just to start off, asking these questions it yields a, a phenomenally great result in most cases.
0: A lot of our dealers tell us that when the customers come in, they've done a lot of research already. And so it's either uh, the idea of validating the research or, you know, kind of um, giving them the, the correct information. Are you hearing uh, or seeing from dealers in terms of UTVs and accessories where the customers have already done a whole bunch of research before they, they come into the, the dealership and um, look at the vehicles?
1: So you have asked a fantastic question, and this is where the biggest opportunity is for every type of utility vehicle dealer. So I'm going to throw some numbers at you, and I'm going to hit you with some data here, and data to me is exactly like a map. You can look at the data, and you can figure out, okay, I'm here, and I want to go here. And it's just like a map in that way. You can look at a map and you can say, okay, I'm here and I wanna go here. But it's also just like a map and that looking at a map does you absolutely no good. You understand where you're at, you understand where you wanna go, but you have to actually get up and go and do something. You look at a map and you plan your vacation and you know you didn't have vacation until you went and did and experienced looking at the map like nobody ever sits around and goes, wow, I had a great time looking at the map. That was fantastic. You know, The map is the tool to use to get you from point A to point B. So the, the question that you just asked opens up this tremendous can of worms about dealer performance in the utility vehicle space. And so here's some really super shocking numbers. Now, m- most of this data comes from the power sports world because there is some pretty fantastic tools that can be used for gathering this data. And so it's, it's the largest body of data that has ever been gathered. Um, and so in this body of data... Uh, what was found was that the average utility vehicle, when it's sold, goes out the door of the dealership with 1000 Hold on, let me actually find the actual numbers here so I can get, get the exact thing. So out the door from the dealership, the average accessory sale is $1,098. So that's what that means is somebody came into a dealership, a vehicle and bought $1,098 worth of accessories, that's average. However, half of the vehicles leave the dealership with no accessories on them at all. So you look at this data set, which has more than 66,000 utility vehicle purchases in it, so it's the largest data set that's ever been compiled. Um, when you take the zeros for the accessories out of that equation, what that means is the dealers who are doing this well are selling an average of $2,196 per vehicle. So that's the average, $2,196 in accessories per vehicle. So, But half sell nothing when they go out the door. So this is where there's this massive opportunity. And the other side of the equation is there was a consumer survey that was done by SEMA uh, and this is a couple years old now, but from a dealer perspective, only 29% of the consumers said the dealer was a great resource of information. So your question was about where do people get their information from? What do they do? Uh, Are they coming in prepared? Absolutely. And a great many of them are super disappointed, with the dealer's level of knowledge and expertise. And you know, when only 20% 29% of the consumers say that the dealer is a high information resource for them, it, it ought to be in a perfect world 100%. The dealers ought to be the experts in this space. They ought to know everything. But it's never going to be 100%. But so then shouldn't it be like 80 or even 70%? But it's 29. So this is where Lots of times in lots of dealerships, both Power Sports and Farm and Ag and OPE, where the, the customers start studying the vehicles and the people in the dealership don't know as much as the customers. And of course, there is this massive, you know, the online world is growing the genies out of the bottle. We can't put it back. There's nothing that can be done to put that back. Certainly, people are shopping online. Certainly, people are doing their research. Certainly, people are reading the forums and doing things like that but one of the things that fundamentally happens with utility vehicles especially the multi-purpose vehicles or the crossover vehicles and especially in the farm and ag and OPE side of the business you know these people usually are not passionate about the vehicle you know they're they're passionate about their farm or their food plot or their garden or their hunting or taking the kids down to the pond or the creek and going fishing. And the vehicle is a tool with which they do what they're passionate about. And so a lot of times these people aren't super enthusiasts who sit around on the couch in their pajamas with a tablet looking up utility vehicle stuff. You know, many times these customers are sitting on the couch in the pajamas with their tablet looking up the best hunting things and the best farming things and whatever it is they're passionate about because the vehicle is a tool. So, you know, being able to be an educated dealer who's an expert in this space and lead them through this stuff and establish yourself as an expert uh, is a super valuable thing. Because when that customer comes in and, you know, 50% of the people are buying no accessories from the dealership, well, that ought to be looked at at the dealership as failure. It ought not to be looked at as, hey, we sold the vehicle, yay, woo-hoo. It ought to be a, wow, we sold the vehicle and nothing else on it, because 85% of the people who buy vehicles are going to accessorize them. They have already or plan to accessorize these vehicles, but 50% of them don't buy anything from the dealership. So the dealer is letting this opportunity go out the door. And to present the customer with the right options and to be super educated in the space because it is growing and it is large and there is a tremendous incremental gross profit opportunity from selling accessories and accessories are what really provide the value proposition for the customer. Now I'm a guy who owns an accessory business. So obviously I'm slanted, but our business is growing tremendously. And when you go out into the wild and you start looking around at trails or at farms or ranches, you can't find one of these vehicles with no accessories on them. Like the rarest thing is a bare bones, naked utility vehicle. You can't find one when they're being used in the real world. They've got roofs, windshields, back panels, doors, snow plows, tool holders, aftermarket wheel and tire kits, lift kits, winches, you know, on and on and on and on and on. And that's what is the most common setup for people who have these vehicles. Yet 50% of the vehicles leave the dealerships with no accessories on them at all. So, you know, there's this massive opportunity where dealers can know more and lead their customers more and show them more choices and say, hey, here's, here's all of these things that are available and go beyond just the oem catalog and start talking about hey if you're doing this you're probably doing that and maybe you're also doing this third thing as well so let me show you all of these things how we could build you the ultimate rig for getting all of your work done because utility vehicle customers would rather pay twenty thousand dollars to get the ultimate rig to get all my work done and be comfortable as opposed to pay fifteen thousand dollars and get a bare bones wheelbarrow so yeah there's a huge opportunity For dealers to meet the customers needs better and when your results say the customers come in armed with a whole lot of knowledge that's probably an indicator that the girls that the that the dealers aren't leading the customers through this process enough and offering them enough and so where there's that kind of space there's runway
0: for growth so far in this podcast Steve Schenken has provided data to help dealers quantify opportunities in the UTV segment. For instance, data shows that 85% of UTV buyers are purchasing accessories, yet half of the vehicles sold leave the dealership without any accessories. This means customers are turning to other outlets, maybe online sources, to equip their vehicles, and dealers are losing out on tremendous incremental gross profit opportunities, says Shankin. We'll rejoin the discussion but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for making this program possible. Using ever-advancing technology, Yanmar continuously strives to exceed customer expectations and deliver exceptional lifetime value by integrating its products, services, and knowledge into a superior quality, comprehensive solution. Visit them at yanmartractor.com backslash new dealer inquiry. Let's get back to the podcast to listen in on some strategies for marketing UTVs. Well, and the idea of accessories, there's just dozens of them, you know, and maybe even more than, than dozens, but the you others, know, there's the OEM and the aftermarket. So, you know, how does a, a dealer approach this? I mean, we've heard from some dealers that they have one model in the store that just has everything on it, and they, they kind of lead the customer through, through that vehicle. Um, You know, is that the approach that you've seen has worked or, you know, how does a how does a dealer um, address all of the accessory options?
1: So this gets into a a lot of choices and a lot of answers that I'm going to throw at you that really start off every single one of them with. Well, it depends because it depends on a whole lot of variables. First of all, it depends on where you're at and what customers are doing in the area that that your dealership is. And so while I've been throwing out all of these numbers that are all national statistics, they're a pretty good baseline to start from to, to judge a dealer's individual performance. Um, you know, So understanding what your average accessory sale is, understanding how many vehicles go out the door with, with zero accessories on it, those are good things to understand so you can judge yourself relative to what the national averages are. But from the specific point of view of what do you do in your dealership some of those things really come down to how much space you have and how many vehicles you have so i have been traveling like a madman for the last five months and i have been in north of 50 different dealerships all over the country uh, and having very detailed conversations that are a lot like this one that we're having right now and the best practices the best dealers who have the highest average selling price and the highest average accessory sale per vehicle. Those dealers typically have multiple vehicles on the floor that are accessorized. And so they'll have one that is a hero that's, in some places, it's somewhat ridiculous. It's a little over the top. It's a little, it's got a whole bunch of stuff on it and it's very, very expensive. Um, I was in South Texas last week and I was at a bunch of dealerships and they would have utility vehicles, multi-purpose utility vehicles, not just sports Models, multi purpose models that are just loaded up with tons of stuff and have a price tag of $32,000, $35,000 on them. Um, Now, usually those dealers don't sell a whole lot of that specific type of vehicle and it's a big build and it's expensive, but they'll sell a couple of those. But what they do is you know, they build that with their knowledge of what the market is and with what the people do and then they build derivatives of it so like that's the a model and it's thirty five thousand dollars well people come in and look at that and go wow that's ridiculous or holy cow that's awesome but i'm not spending 35 grand no freaking way okay well if you like the idea of that we've got a version here that's 25 grand and we've got another one that's 20 grand and so it's like an a b and a c version that is outfitted specifically for what the people in the area do with these vehicles. So you're showing them, the dealer is showing them a range of choices right off the bat. And then of course they've got a couple of other models in the store uh, or on the lot that are just bare bones, basic models. And you know, the the best dealers will have at least a roof and a windshield on these things. And if it's in an area where people get stuck a lot, they'll have a winch on them as well. Um, So, the way they, the way these dealers interact with a customer is, you know, they're showing them this A, B, and C model. And if the guy says, "All right, I really like the C model, but um, you know, I don't want the winch," well, the dealer doesn't take that winch off that vehicle. The dealer says, "Okay, so this vehicle comes like this. This is how it is. Uh, if you don't want the winch, like we can get you one of these other vehicles over here, and we can outfit it to be what you're asking for, and and add all these things." But the leading the customer through that process and offering them those choices and showing them these things and having it on the floor to engage the customer's emotions and engage the customer in a, I want that as opposed to, all right, you're showing me a $15,000 utility vehicle. I'm not excited about that. And probably no one ever in the history of ever has thought that a $15,000 wheelbarrow is a good deal. You know, that's not what they want. Um, And so if, if all a dealer has is bare bones, naked vehicles, which are in the customer's minds, $15,000 wheelbarrows and somebody down the street is selling the same wheelbarrow for $14,000 well, they go there and they buy it because it's a freaking $15,000 wheelbarrow. And if I can save a thousand dollars, why wouldn't I do that? But when you can engage the customer and keep out the vehicle and show them these choices and engage them in a, I want that type of discussion, um, because their pickup truck that they pulled up in probably has some nice alloy wheels on it and some nice aftermarket tires and, you know, leather seats and in-dash nav, and a sunroof and so on and so forth. You know, this is the customer's expectation. So leading them through that and displaying those vehicles that way and, you know, I, I don't want to say sell the vehicles like car dealers sell cars, but uh, one of the things that I hear a lot is, UTV dealers, UTV sellers say, yeah, well, I don't want to put stuff on it because the guy just asked me to take it off. Well, the customer's expectations are driven by pickup trucks and by that type of shopping process and that type of expectation. And can you imagine going into the, into the car dealership? You're at the Chevy lot and you're like, yeah, I really want this pickup truck, but I don't want the sunroof and I don't want the leather seats and I don't want the in-dash nap. Take all that stuff off and I'll buy it like the dealer would look at you like you've fallen and hit your head. And he would say, are you okay? Is is something wrong with you? Because we're not taking that stuff off. That's not how this works. Uh, if you, you don't want all those things, I've got, you know, a base model one out here in the back that, that's you know, whatever. Um, but they don't take the stuff off. And I have actually been in dealers where, and I've seen this happen where the customer is like, all right, so I don't want any of this stuff on it. We're, Actually, I'm sorry where the where the salesperson starts off with all right we have this vehicle here and it's got all these things on it if you don't want that we can take it off well you know you gave up that salesperson gave up they didn't even attempt to upsell they didn't even attempt to get the customer what in effect they truly want because everybody puts a roof and a windshield on these vehicles and most people put back, I mean they if they have a roof and a windshield they ought to have a back panel for lots of technical reasons um, But, you know, to start off with, you know, apologizing for how expensive it is, that's not what these customers want. The customers want more and more and more out of these vehicles, which is why the average selling price keeps going up and which is why the average selling price is now $15,262. So, you know, the customer's expectations are greater than what many, many dealers offer right off the bat.
0: Right. Well, that's interesting about this, this option that we can take it off. That, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And so in, in terms of this idea of the emotion and, and, uh, you know, reaching the customers, uh, do you also work with dealers related to, you know, marketing? Uh, and advertising, and and I'm I'm wondering whether this is kind of more of a, a social media uh, type, mar- you know, marketing approach, as um, or is it like um, auto dealers, where it's a heavy, you know, car commercials? Uh, any thoughts you can share on the on the front end on the marketing and advertising?
1: So certainly, the big brands do a tremendous amount of very, very expensive mainstream marketing, and you know, if you're watching a. sporting event you're probably going to see a Polaris utility vehicle ad and quite possibly a John Deere utility vehicle ad and maybe some others maybe some Kawasaki's um, maybe some Kubotas so you know the the big heavy hitters certainly do a lot of very expensive very mainstream in front of the whole world types of things but making the rubber hit the road on a local dealer basis with utility vehicles is pretty much the same way as it is for the other fundamental marketing problems that a dealer has, you know, so you've got to get the customer to come into the store. You've got to get the customer to be engaged with you. And one of the things that happens that's difficult in this space is customers don't have to go to a farm ag OPE dealer to buy a utility vehicle. You know, if you're gonna buy a less than 40 horsepower tractor, you're almost pretty much for sure going to a farm ag OPE dealer to buy that. Um, You know, if you're gonna buy a zero turn mower, you can certainly go to a big box box store and buy some zero turn mowers. But if you're gonna get a high end one, you're going to be at a farm ag OPE dealer. Um, With utility vehicles, if you wanna go out shopping for a utility vehicle and you want a multi-purpose vehicle, you know, you start putting together your short list and you're like, okay, so I want to evaluate a John Deere Gator, a Kawasaki mule, and a Polaris Ranger, and a Yamaha Viking. Well, you know, some of those are in the Power Sports channel and you go to the Power Sports dealer and some of them are in the Farm and Ag channel you go to the you go to the Farm and Ag dealer for those things. So one of the things that's difficult about that from a dealer's point of view is you know, you've got to compete with those other dealers and with those other places that are trying to draw on the same customers. And it's been pretty fascinating in the last couple of years because Polaris and John Deere have been in this massive fight for these new customers. And certainly when you would listen to the Polaris earnings calls when you know they're they're talking about the stock performance for the quarters and the and the CEOs and the, and the key executives are talking about what goes on they have specifically said a number of times in those calls Polaris has that you know utility vehicles bring in new customers into the dealership so they fight hard over this space and a local dealer has to understand that the competitive landscape in the utility vehicle space is primarily with people outside their channel in power sports so you know, the marketing component of it becomes a little different in that way. But as far as engaging the customer goes, you know, the dealers still need to do those fundamentals well and still need to make a point of saying, hey, you know, if they want to grow the utility vehicle business, their specific utility vehicle business, and overall the market is growing and the and the dollars being spent are growing, um, they've got to be able to stand out and pre- prevent, present a competitive option to a power sports dealership which is tough and it's tougher than a lot of things because when the tractor dealer is talking about competing with other tractor dealers a lot of that kind of comes down to you know i have brand x and he has brand y and so you start off with that and then you go down to and i'm a great guy and i and our dealership is this and our dealership is that and, and you start working your way through that but you're still in the tractor world and when they're trying to pull in utility vehicle customers, a great many times they have to pull them in and compete with the power sports world, which is different and sometimes harder. And sometimes it's easier, depends on who what the local landscape is.
0: Well, and, and here, um, you know, auto dealers are also selling UTVs. So I think that's interesting that you would go in to buy a, uh, you know, a car and then maybe return to buy the UTV. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of competition.
1: One of the things that I'd like to mention really quick, cause you mentioned, you know, car dealerships there are selling utility vehicles. So as I'm traveling around, what I am finding with a surprisingly large degree of frequency is power sports dealerships having been purchased by car dealerships or individuals who own car dealerships. And in the last couple of weeks, I've been in three stores. In completely different parts of the country where essentially what happened is the guy who owns the car dealership went into the power sports dealership to buy something and said wow this place doesn't do a very good job selling stuff at my car dealership we kill it and i want to buy this place because they don't do the fundamentals very well and so and the success stories that these types of businesses have and how the sales have increased i was i was in a dealership literally last week and the guy who bought it is from the car business and he said this store in accessories before i bought it was doing eighteen thousand dollars a month in accessories now we do hundred and sixty thousand dollars a month in accessories and you know he he sells and presents to the customer more like a car dealership than what this power sports dealership was. And his experience in the dealership, you know, he's telling me the story, which was super fascinating. And I really enjoyed it. The guy is super smart, but he's buying an ATV in there to use on his farm. And he didn't have a good experience. And as he's walking out, he's talking to the guy who owns it. And he's like, how about if you sell me the business? And the guy said, fine, I'll sell you the business. And they literally had a handshake deal right there before the guy walked out the door. And He bought the dealership three years ago, and the change that they've made is incredible. And the place was struggling, and now they're going from a one acre lot with a 12,000 square foot building to an eight acre facility with a 50,000 square foot building. And so it's this fundamental change in what the process is and how they're looking at it that is a lot more like a car dealership. So, you know, as I've been talking here and talking about, Hey, you're competing with power sports dealerships. Well, the power sports landscape is really changing a lot and they're becoming a lot better and a lot more aggressive and a lot more focused on customer satisfaction and solving these problems. So it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic.
0: Yeah, definitely. Our, our dealers have a lot to, a lot to watch and uh, learn uh, definitely. And, um, one thing I wanted to ask, too, for uh, you as a person who is in development and um, and production of accessories, is there anything that you can give us a hint to in terms of what might be coming ahead for um, accessories or trends you're seeing um, regarding accessories? So
1: one of the things that happens in the utility vehicle space is the growth has continued and the growth is, is very substantial, and more companies come into the space with, with new vehicles. So the new companies entering the market are very, very frequently coming to the market with very niche vehicles. And, you know, one of the things that I like to talk about that I think is a very interesting example is the the new Hustler utility vehicle that has the dump bed that can actually come, can articulate backwards and essentially get flat on the ground. So there is so much more space and opportunity for niche things to come out that meet the needs of Customers, and you know that happens in in every aspect of this business. You know, you start looking at, you know, the the hustler vehicle that I just talked about, to the super clever vehicles that have beds that transform into seats, like on a Honda Pioneer or a Kawasaki Trans uh, Promule FXT or a Kubota RTV eleven forty. Uh, And, you know, what those things can do and how they can change their fundamental way of operating. And then you look at the super specific sport vehicles that come out, like the Polaris Razor Turbo Dynamics and the Can-Am Maverick X3, you know, with 160 horsepower and they can go 80 miles an hour and they do zero to 60 in three and a half seconds. You know, so there's all of this niche development that happens that fall into the category of utility vehicles. And there is so much of this going on in every, in every way from the vehicles to the accessories to the functional usage and what they develop vehicles for. And there's so much runway for growth, not to say that every one of these things sells 20,000 or 30,000 units a year, but the industry, and the manufacturers of the vehicles and the manufacturers of the accessories, like me, haven't found the end of this. Like, we keep making new things and coming up with new things, and we keep finding a lot of success with it. And from from a detailed point of view, last year, Seismic introduced three different gun holders that are designed just for utility vehicles. So we came out with these things that have no compromises. There was no let's take our thing that we designed to fit on an atv or to fit in the back of a pickup truck and let's adapt it so it works on a utv we looked at it and we said let's make the best gun holders for utility vehicles like that was that was our marching orders and so we came up with three different three different methods that differ from one another one is wildly different wildly innovative brilliantly simple and all of them sell fantastically well and So this is one of the things where, you know, since we don't sell dealer direct, we don't sell retail, we don't sell the big box stores, seismic products are only available at specialty dealers. We've really opened up an opportunity for the dealers to compete with Cabela's and Bass Pro with gun holders, which they really couldn't do before that. So for a dealer to pay attention to what's going on in the world and for a dealer to be looking and when a The customer comes in and asks a dealer a question, and if they don't have something to solve that customer's problems or customer's needs, they go start looking and say, "Okay, what can I do?" The next time a guy comes in with this question, say to him, or to say to the guy, "Look, I don't know. I don't have anything right now, but um, let me get your number and let me go find you something and present you some choices, so that they can expand what they offer because the customer's needs are always expanding. What the customers want is always expanding. That's why this market is growing." So, you know, to, to be engaged in that and be looking for these things, because a lot of times it's hard to get in front of it, in front of the end user. It's hard to get in front of the dealer. And when the end user walks into the dealership, I, that's the golden opportunity. They're in there to buy things. Why else would they come? So you know to be able to show them the right things and to be able to have a whole bunch of choices that they can sh- that they can present to them, and even better yet, let them put their hands on and touch and feel and experience. You know, that's that's the dealer's competitive advantage. That's how they stay super competitive with the online guys.
0: We've talked about a, a lot of topics and uh, you know, there's a lot of work for our dealers to do, but it, it sounds like the takeaways are there's really no end in sight in terms of the. Uh, UTV vehicles and accessories, um, but our dealers have to get have to get educated, and be a, be a resource, and be as excited about the vehicles as their customers are. Thank you again to Steve Shankin of Vialink and Seismic for sharing about the fast-growing UTV market and what rural equipment dealers can start doing today to earn more from the market. He says that because of the explosive growth of UTV sales, manufacturers are developing niche vehicles and niche accessories, and dealers can use these products to differentiate themselves among all the competitors. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for helping make this Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series possible. And please share your feedback on today's program by sending me an email to lwolf at lessitermedia.com or call me at 316-648-3717. You can also keep up on the latest Rural Equipment news and trends by registering online for our e-newsletter, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and from dealers. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf and thanks for listening.